Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we're talking about a TV topic that a lot of you lovely listeners have asked us to investigate. Yeah, and that is the barrier gaze trope, also known as the dead lesbian syndrome or dead lesbian trope. Basically, things reached a fever pitch recently with uh, lesbian and bi characters specifically uh, getting killed off of shows. And a lot of you guys wrote in. Yeah, and if you aren't familiar with the trope, which honestly, I was not before doing research for this episode, you can already tell just by the names of Barrier Gaze and, and what's the lesbian one? De- uh, dead Lesbian Syndrome. Dead Lesbian Syndrome. Probably not positive depictions <laughs> going on. And it's an extension, too, of conversations uh, that you and I have had. And also when we had a trans activist and friend Raquel Willison here just about the issue of uh, the tragic queer character, yeah. both in literature and big screen and small screen. And today we're really focusing in on television and why people are especially concerned and calling it out today <laughs> as in like right this very day <laughs> the day you're listening to this no, but th- these days okay well first we do want to give you a breakdown basically of what this trope is what it means what it indicates and how it sort of exists at a cross-section of a few other tropes but basically barrier gays or dead lesbian syndrome tropes involve gay characters getting killed off not surprisingly that's pretty pretty self-evident uh it's another way of not allowing them happy endings it's obviously the most extreme version of not allowing them happy endings uh and it like Kristen said it goes along with that tragic gay or tragic queer character trope of like you've got to be punished for your subversive activity or going against the norm um and as tv tropes 
dot com explained it, and it's a great, great resource. Uh, this exists at the intersection of the sex is evil trope and the all gays are promiscuous trope. So sex is evil. You might also see that, of course, in like horror movies when the virgin has sex and she's like instantly killed. Horror movies are a a trope. Um, cornucopia. Oh, a cornucopia <laughs> of tropes. Delicious. Mm. I take that to Thanksgiving with me. But it doesn't have to happen to LGBT characters in relationships. They don't have to actually be having sex or be dating for them to be killed off. Uh, in case you're wondering, um, you also might have the trope of the psycho lesbian or the depraved homosexuals tropes. Um, basically, uh, the gay character or, you know, the LGBT character in question might simply be getting punished, especially if he or she tried to pervert another character on the show. So if you had a lesbian character confessing her feelings to a presumably straight lady character, um, that character is probably going to get killed off. Yeah, because if you look at film history, gay characters have typically been evil because mm-hmm. of their deviant sexuality. And that also ties into the trope of all gays are promiscuous. They're evil by virtue of their sexual proclivities and insatiable sexual appetite. This is also something uh, that we talked about a lot in our a bisexual erasure podcast. Um, and if they aren't evil, then they must die, you know, and mm-hmm. usually die in a magic pixie dream girl kind of way in order to further a straight person's narrative. Or they might even uh, serve the role uh, that you see often with like the magical black person who's so wise. Uh, hashtag legend of Bagger Vance. I don't know why I needed to hashtag that. That's just the title of a movie. Where, Hash- where... Hashtag Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yes. Um where the gay character doesn't really have any storyline to themselves, but they're just there to share their gay wisdom and then disappear. <laughs> gay wisdom. In order to, though, only develop was the that, straight people. Is that the plot of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Gay wisdom, I think so. Um, Yeah, I love that you brought up the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, because while the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is punished for her cuteness and quirkiness by having to date the whole the drag of a main character. Uh, hashtag Zach Braff. Can we just hashtag all of the names that we mentioned? Hashtag Zach Braff. Listeners are saying, hashtag no, please don't. <laughs> um, well, the the magical gay character just gets killed off. Um, it ties into these other tropes. One is too good for this sinful earth. Or the heroic sacrifice trope um, with the justification that, you know, these people are just they're too good. And you saw that trope start to evolve as our attitudes toward LGBT people IRL in real life started to improve. So like, oh, well, all right, we don't want to necessarily like punish someone for being gay because it's not so deviant anymore. We're more accepting now. So. Let's just kill them off because they're too good. They're yeah, too pure yeah, and amazing. Still, they're still not being humanized as characters. But caveat here, a queer character dying on screen does not necessarily always meet the qualification of this barrier gaze trope. Because if you're working with an anyone can die trope situation, a la Game of Thrones, 
It's probably not there to teach anyone anything or indicate prejudice of right. some sort. It's just George R. R. Martin being like, <laughs> I love killing people. <laughs> I love Fred. Red wedding. <laughs> Exactly. And especially when you have so many characters on Game of Thrones who do have sort of fluid sexuality. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, well, good. So they're just being killed off because in the way that to- any other human character <laughs> would be killed off. It's equal killing, you know, and that's what we're really about here. It, yeah. <laughs> equal killing. Equal character murder. Before we go any further... In this podcast episode, though, we must issue oh yeah a spoiler alert. I mean, that goes without saying. Like murdering characters is like the whole topic of this. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so the first spoiler alert uh, applies to show the one hundred because an incident in this show is really what sparked a lot of conversation and backlash against barrier gays and has now reached. The industry, Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, that's now grappling with, well, how should we do this? Because the fan outrage was so loud and so strong when a beloved character, very tough woman, Lexa, was killed. And it seemed like she was senselessly killed. Yeah. And that was the tipping point. But she was not the first such character to die. So in February and March of 2016, like a whole mess of women were killed off. You had Rose killed. Uh, she was on Jane the Virgin. That was in February. She was killed off. Then Lexa on the 100. Then Kira on the Magicians. And then Denise on the Walking Dead, who I think got a like an arrow through the eye as she was talking. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these uh, barrier gaze deaths and with just stray bullets, they like catch other people's bullets or throw themselves in front of someone else, sort of sacrificial lamb style. But in the, in the case of Alexa, you know, the bullet, I believe, that killed her um, wasn't meant for her. Right. And people were especially outraged because not only is she a queer character, but in the story arc, she had just reached this pivotal moment with a... Uh, romantic plot line and I think that they had finally had sex for the first time and then boom death yeah well exactly and I mean these women in that show were allowed to be fierce warriors independent they had agency Lexa in particular was her clan's warrior commander and she was in a relationship with Clark who was the leader of her own people and these Klexa fans, because everybody loves to put names together, Klexa fans did have a real reason to hope. I mean, they were in contact with series creator Jason Rothenberg and his staff. They were talking on Twitter. They were talking all over the Internet. And they'd really engaged the audience and encouraged their love of Clark and Lexa. They were like, yeah, these are great characters. We're glad you love them. Continue to love them. We're going to make them fall in love with each other, but it's going to be complicated because you'll love that even more because that's how relationships work. But unfortunately, the actress Alicia Debnam Carey, who played Lexa, was getting ready to move over to Fear the Walking Dead. She got a new job, so they had to kill her off. Just so happens that her character was a really powerful lesbian. Uh, so she ends up taking a stray bullet and all the nerd rage. But 
so you mentioned like, oh, but she had just reached this pivotal point in her relationship and character, uh, the audience loved her and then all of a sudden she dies. That exactly parallels earlier nerd rage from 2002. Uh, Hollywood Reporter read all about this uh, when Tara on Buffy was killed. So as Hollywood Reporter points out, both of these characters, Tara and Lexa, were shown consummating their relationships with their female love interest just minutes before getting killed. Uh, both were hit by stray bullets meant for another person. Both died in their lover's arms. And both have led to fandom outrage. And in the case of Lexa, the fans also felt bamboozled in a way because mm-hmm. they felt like their their fandom had kind of been used against them to sort of draw them in with the what they felt like was a direct contact with uh, the showrunner mm-hmm. um and suddenly the thing that they loved and were rooting for was taken away for them from them um so that started the hashtag LGBT fans deserve better on Twitter. And there are now two websites, uh, wedeservebetter.com and lgbtfansdeservebetter.com, uh, which has a ton of great resources if you want to learn more about these tropes and just about LGBTQIA representation um, in film and television. Uh, that's quickly developed into a great source for that. Yeah, but they also channeled their frustration and nerd rage into in real life activism as well. They helped raise tens of thousands of dollars for this group called the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit focused on LGBTQ youth suicide prevention. So this is not just something that you can dismiss with like, oh, those are angry fangirls and fanboys. No, these are People who are putting their money where their mouth is and saying, "Okay, are you going to continue to show negative representations or not allow gay characters to have happy endings? Well, we are going to counteract that in real life and try to counteract any effect that those negative depictions might have and support our fellow LGBTQIA community members. Which makes sense when... IRL, again, I think this episode might be the most times we've ever used IRL, and I'm totally cool with it. Um, but also, too, the the betrayal of being a queer fan sitting there and seeing this happening, and then when you turn off the TV and you have to walk outside, go to school, and be in public, and also be concerned for your safety, potentially. Sure. You know, like, there, there are a lot of layers to this. This is about a lot more than just having a beloved character taken away. And as a result of this fandom force, uh, the mainstream media has taken note, and uh, Rothenberg, the show creator, directly apologized, um, and it sparked a lot of coverage from Autostraddle in particular. Uh, Autostraddle, we cite on the podcast all the time. They're a terrific site for all things queer, so check them out if you haven't already. Um, but they put together a list of killed-off lesbian and bi characters beginning in 1976 and even looking outside of shows in the United States. Mm -hmm. And they revised it to then include a total of 166 when uh, they opened up, you know, the comment thread to fans saying, okay, who have we missed? And boy, is it startling how many they did miss. Yeah, and, you know, because that list does open it up to shows all over the world. Uh, Germans, you got a lot of dead lesbians uh, on your medias. There was that one show in particular, too. Yeah. 
where I can't remember what it was, but there were a lot. Yeah, German listeners, <laughs> if you know what we're talking about, because scrolling through, it was it, like every other one. It was like Goethe, das Haus. <laughs> that's and that's the only. Well, my favorites. I, so anyway, uh, because so many of those shows were not U.S. based shows, I had not seen a lot of them. Um, and some of my favorites, though, and that's a weird thing to say. Your favorite characters. Favorite characters who were then also killed um, were definitely Rachel from House of Cards. Um, she's a bisexual character who had a, met a terrible fate. Poor thing. Bless her heart. But also from Boardwalk Empire, one of my favorite shows that I legit miss being on the air, um, Angela Darmody, who was Jimmy Darmody's wife. Uh, so another bisexual character and her lover, Louise Bryant, they were killed in this tragic misunderstanding. This gangster shows up to kill Jimmy, but he gets there and it's only Jimmy's wife. And when her lover comes out of the bathroom, he thinks it's going to be Jimmy because there's his wife in bed. Right. So that's got to be Jimmy. No, it's another woman. And he like confusedly and panic e lishly shoots both women, and it's it was horrible. It was so sad. Panicky Lishley also yeah. is my new favorite advert. You're welcome. Well, I just Angela Darmody's character was so great on on Boardwalk Empire, and if you haven't watched the show, I recommend you do it. Um, it's a good binge watching show. Um, and it kind of follows a pattern that I casually notice scrolling through that auto straddle list, where it seems like. For lesbian and bisexual women who were killed off, there's also that negative undercurrent of uh, the deceitful yeah. lesbian and bisexual woman. Usually she's perhaps like cheating on her husband with a woman and he is then enraged and kills her. There's a lot of murder by jealous lovers going yeah. on as well. Now, the thing is, though, uh, all of these uh, character deaths go back way farther, way farther back in time than Lexa getting killed on the 100. And both the character killings and the audience reactions are tied into a lot of views about the acceptance, honestly, of LGBT people in real life, in reality. And so we are going to dive into some of that historical representation of LGBT folks on screen. We come right back from a quick break. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So to put a little historical context on this conversation, as we like to do here at Stuff Mom Never Told You, uh, we are relying a lot on a book by Stephen Tropiano called The Primetime Closet, A History of Gays and Lesbians on TV. And as it's probably not surprising, as the LGBTQIA community has gotten louder and more visible off screen. Uh, they've become more fed up with that lackluster and often discriminatory media representation, which today is mirroring what happened back in the 60s and 70s, which is when we see the first lesbians in particular start dying on television. Yeah, and so if we go back to the 1960s, basically through the mid-60s, the discussion and representation of gay people on TV was generally limited to talk shows. I thought that was interesting. I I had never thought about that, really. And um, that is because, uh, you know, the same way that today on, like, 60 Minutes or Barbara Walters or something like that, they might take a social issue that a lot of people are scared of like heroin abuse or opiate overdoses and go dive deep into it for an hour to address people's fears. The same freaking thing was happening with LGBT people back in the day. So in response to viewers presumed concern over gay people, these talk shows uh, were investigating homosexuality along the same lines as alcoholism or drug abuse um, because, like Kristen was saying, as the LGBT community is getting bigger, more vocal, more visible, so is the concern and the homophobia around them. Well, at this time, it was mostly focused toward gay men because at the time, people were like, what? Lesbians? That's just you have some like weird s- s- problem where maybe your husband isn't satisfying you. But gay men, we're watching you. Yeah, You're dangerous. That's, that's deviant. And I would also like quick side note. Uh, when you said talk shows, the first thing I thought of was like Jerry Springer style talk uh. shows. <laughs> but 
Uh, I don't, the Jerry Springer show is not on in the 60s and 70s, but I would imagine that you would also see them on daytime talk shows, but more in the freak show style of, look at these, uh, you know, she didn't know her husband was gay kind of thing. Just like, again, being treated as characters rather than people. Uh, and in 1967, oh, Mike Wallace (laughs) and CBS (laughs) News produced a special report on gay people, literally called CBS News, the homosexuals. <laughs> I mean, it would be funny if it weren't so awful, right? I mean, very much a product of its time. Yeah. But Mike Wallace interviews all these gay men and, and describes them as, quote, the most despised minority group in the United States, which, okay, he might not be off the mark there. But then... He starts talking to psychoanalysts, and this is really where the, the thing just goes right off the side of the cliff. Yeah, because one of those psychoanalysts that he talked to emphasized being gay as a mental illness which has reached epidemiological proportions. He also indicated that it's a learned behavior tied with an unnaturally strong tie with the mother, which disrupts normal gender identity triggers separation anxiety and prevents him from forming heterosexual relationships in adulthood. Oh, good. So we're not quite past Freud yet. We're still very, very afraid of what it means to be gay. But not too long after that CBS report comes out, you have some massive cultural shifts going on. Because in June 1969, you get the Stonewall Riots, which marks basically the beginning of the modern vocal gay liberation movement. And that means more than ever, the community is more visible and it's a more viable political force. And quick Stonewall shout out to trans women of color. Yeah. And and so things start falling like dominoes when it comes to the gay rights movement. In 1973, the American Bar Association passed a resolution supporting the repeal of state sodomy laws. And just a year later, in 74, homosexuality is finally removed from the from the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental disorders. The same year, um, you get federal anti-gay discrimination bills introduced into the House, and it failed But similar measures were passing in cities and counties around the country. And all of this is being mirrored on television in the 1970s, where you actually start to see gay characters uh, on TV medical dramas like The Bold Ones Medical Center, which (laughs) I like how it's like, well, you know what you're getting with that one. And Marcus Welby. MD. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just like we've seen in these in these trends we've been talking about in response to the growing gay rights movement, LGBT characters are starting to get treated with a more liberal attitude. That's great, right? Yay. A more liberal attitude. But but we're still scared of them. Right. That that fear and condemnation that sort of pervaded all of the earlier talk shows and CBS specials. Um, was just replaced with pity and tolerance, not acceptance and treating them like human people. Yeah, I mean, you, you still <laughs> there's a there's this old saying that I remember from my Christian upbringing of uh, "love the sinner, hate the sin," and uh, very much uh, that that kind of mindset with this. Oh, well, we accept you, but not actually really, because we think that inside your core, something is broken. Right. And so on these shows, if it was the patient 
who was gay. Uh, the sexuality itself was not treated as a disease, which, okay, good. Um, but that so-called or so-deemed sexual confusion or homosexual panic was often part of the plot's medical mystery and linked with some other condition like diabetes, heart disease, or ulcers. You know how these medical shows, even today, always have to have some, like, underlying drama driving the plot. It's not just like she came in with a headache. It's like she came in with a headache because she's in the middle of homosexual panic. I'm I'm trying to now imagine an episode of House <laughs> where it's like, well, it turns out he's gay. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so in other words, uh, basically with these plot lines, you had to resolve the questionable sexual orientation before you could uncover and treat that underlying medical condition. And of course... Being gay was usually linked with a parent and or just choosing the lifestyle. So, for instance, this one example that author Stephen Trappiano gives is you have this man in this one episode on a medical show who he's diabetic. He's gaining a lot of weight. He's miserable. And so is his wife. His miserable wife is complaining about how uh, basically she doesn't get laid anymore and she wants to divorce him. And their son is quiet and withdrawn. So, like, all of these health problems combined with social and marital and parental problems. What's going on? Diagnosis gay. Right. Yeah. Basically, the doctor figures out that this diabetic man is gay. And the diagnosis, so to speak, basically sends him into deep depression. And he attempts suicide, which... Hello, we already have like a super high rate of LGBT people in this country being more likely to attempt suicide. So the character attempts suicide, goes to a shrink. Oh, but it's a happy ending, Kristen. Oh, what happens? Right. Well, he goes to the shrink and he finds out that he's not actually gay. It's just his fear of homosexuality that's at the root of a neurosis. Oh, called internalized homophobia. Right. So thank God. Right. Like he's not actually gay. Oh. You just hate gay people. Right. And therefore he doesn't have to die. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if we hop forward across a lot of doctors and nurse characters at this time who are never really fully fleshed out, but they might be gay and they don't necessarily die, but they're just sort of like sideshow freaks, really. Right. Like, so if a doctor comes out, it's usually not going to be a recurring character, a doctor or nurse. It's it's going to be someone who's in there to stir up a bit of drama. And because they've stirred up drama, they're putting either their lives or the patient's life at risk. So you got to go, sister. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. And literally, get out of here. One woman did. Okay, that's a weird way to say that a <laughs> character was killed off. Um, so when we get to 1976, there's a soap opera called Executive Suite. <laughs> And this is the origin of the so-called dead lesbian syndrome. So on an episode of Executive Suite, (laughs) there's this woman, Julie, who confesses to another woman, Leona, that, hey, Leona, I'm a lesbian. And Leona's like, oh, my God, Julie, I'm a lesbian, too. And I'm very attracted to you. And but they're both like, but diagnosis gay. This <laughs> this can't be right. And so Julie gets so upset and uh, she rushes after Leona, who's just like, ah, you know, <laughs> trying to, I guess, <laughs> trying to run away from her lesbianism. And Julie gets hit by a truck. And then get this. Julie's husband, because, of course, here we go with, like, the deceitful sexuality Mm -hmm. thing. Julie's husband then blames Leona 
And Leona has a nervous breakdown. So we only have one dead lesbian here. The other one is safely tucked away in a some kind of men- mental institution. Yeah. So good. We're all safe, right? The lesbians. We're putting <sighs> them away. Um, but yeah, that that 1976 uh, executive suite is always cited as the first time you start to see lesbian or bi or gay characters just getting killed off as punishment, not having to quit their line of work as a doctor on a show. And even though old Twitter and Snapchats didn't exist, uh, there was protest. So as gay advocacy groups and activists and allies started noticing this pattern on television, uh, especially on primetime TV, they began to stand up against it, especially because primetime television was critically symbolic in their struggle to gain acceptance in wider society because it's like if if you can be portrayed as an actual human person who's not broken, you simply, like everyone else, possess a sexual orientation of some sort, <laughs> then that is a sign of a cultural shift in the, a positive direction. Um, and gay activists succeeded in sending a clear message to television producers and broadcasters that, listen, these negative malicious stereotypes are not going to be tolerated. So history is repeating itself, really, in terms of yeah. the activism around it. Yeah, it seems like the more vocal, and this is not just for LGBT folks, but the more vocal a marginalized group is, the harder and weirder the pushback is from dominant groups. And we aren't going to get into this. Um, so listeners, if you have insights, please share them with us. But I... I'm now curious since this was going on in the 70s and uh, gay advocacy groups were making headway, what impact then the AIDS crisis had on all of it? this? If it stalled it, if it pushed it back? Um, well, I think that would play into – and please, I, I do want to hear from listeners, but I think that would play into the pity the gay person – um, don't fear the gay person or condemn the gay person as much, at least as it played out on TV or in miniseries or things like that. But here's the thing, Caroline. Straight characters are killed off all of the time. It's true. What's wrong with that? We're going to talk about that <laughs> when we get right back from a quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. 
And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seinfeld, or Seinfeld, as I like to call it, <laughs> what's the deal with uh, with straight characters dying? And we're not calling it the barrier straights trope. I'm playing like an Ann Coulter-ish devil's advocate right now, and I really don't like it. <laughs> well, Reese over at Autostraddle puts it really well, um, so I will quote her. Uh, Reese says, we comprise such a teeny tiny fraction of characters on television to begin with. That killing us off so haphazardly feels especially cruel. And this is something that Dorothy Snarker, love your last name, Dot, uh, echoes over at Hollywood Reporter. She says, it's not that lesbian and bisexual characters shouldn't ever die on screen. Far from it. But currently, our tragic endings are shown at an inordinately higher rate than our happy ones. Yeah, I mean, painting, and this was something, too, that uh, made me think a lot of uh, Raquel Willis in our conversation with her about trans characters on television in particular and just her desire and that we share with her to see portrayals of trans people who aren't tragic, who right. can fall in love, who can like live a life like everyone else, right. you know, and, and just be characters um, rather than having to be the tragic other. Um, and you also have to keep in mind statistically just the disproportionate rate of these kinds of characters being killed off if you look if you compare to population wise not only of their representation on screen um, but also more broadly yeah I mean LGBT characters are super 
underrepresented on TV, but their deaths are overrepresented. And so basically, if one straight character is killed, there's still going to be a whole mess of other straight characters left. Just a whole mess of them. A whole mess of them. And the show's lousy with them. Um, But if a gay character's killed, it's not like there's going to be so many other LGBT characters in the wings to, I don't want to say cushion the blow, but like it, it, it's, it's a harder hit, basically, character wise. If like you're one gay character or you're like two gay characters are killed off. And chances are that's not even going to be a lead character. So you don't even have a fully fleshed out like person there. Yeah, they might just be propping with. up the storyline. Yeah. Um, and Vox tallied up all of the deaths, all of the TV deaths from 76 to 2016. And they were focusing on American television because they noticed, uh, especially with, uh, and they really do tie it to, um, spoiler, Ned Stark's death on Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. starting this trend of a lot of death on television. Yeah. So for an idea of just how deathly TV has become, so Vox crunched the numbers and found that 242 characters of all characters on TV died between the fall 2015 and spring 2016 television seasons, and that about 10% of those were LGBTQ women. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we we do love statistics here, so I have some more for you. Um, Autostraddle also crunched some numbers and posted this fabulous infographic that looked at LGBTQ characters' deaths between 1976 and 2016. Uh, they said that there were more than 1,500 shows with straight characters and just 193 featuring lesbian or bi characters, which is about 11%. Of those 193 shows, 68 had dead lesbians, and about half of those were shows where anyone can die, like a Game of Thrones. And uh, again, of the 193 lesbian featuring shows, just 16% had happy endings for lesbian and bi characters. And the thing that is emphasized over and over again is that, A, this is not great. Why are we overrepresenting gay characters' deaths? Well, we just talked a lot about it. But also this negative representation is reinforcing a lot of cultural BS that is happening right now. Because we all want to see ourselves represented positively in media, right? And when LGBTQ kids, or adults for that matter, only see themselves as tools facing imminent demise, uh, as Snarker writes, death, sadness, and despair can seem like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, and and that's if you even see a gay character on television. Um, Glad studies this every year and keeps tallies. And um, in 2015, out of 881 regular roles on broadcast TV, only 4% or 35 of them belonged to uh, LGBTQ characters. Um, so first of all, you're, you're not even seeing them, but then when you are, you're seeing them meet tragedy. And in the context of our off-screen wave of anti-LGBTQ sentiment and legislation, like the whole bathroom bill issue uh, that has now made its way up to the Supreme Court, um, 
and the fact that you can still be fired for your sexual orientation in most states. Um, and also on top of that, issues like the super high unemployment rate among trans individuals, uh, the homelessness rate among LGBTQ youth, bullying uh, and links to attempted suicide and drug abuse. Like it's it's not offering very much hope. Yeah. You know, that's not exactly you know, we watch TV a lot of times as an escape. Right. But that's not an escape. Yeah. It's just a reinforcement. And, I mean, tropes are tropes for a reason, right? They exist as tropes because they happen so often. And they are props for storylines that are used so often that you can spot them. And they are coded in a certain way so you know what is happening and why something is happening. And to me, like, uh, we can move away from it because otherwise it's clearly just becoming lazy storytelling at some point now. It's already become lazy storytelling. And so that's why it's so interesting to study uh, storylines that take this dead lesbian syndrome trope or this barrier gaze trope and put a different bend in the storyline so that it is tragic when a character dies, when a queer character dies, when a character of color dies, um, but that it doesn't have to be meaninglessly tragic. And... An example of that, and major spoiler alert to <laughs> Orange is the New Black fans mm-hmm. who are not caught up on the show, skip ahead or just listen to another episode <laughs> um, because this is a big one. So in the latest season finale, Pusey is tragically and senselessly killed during a peaceful protest at the prison where the show takes place. Yeah. And as you can imagine, people freaked out. I know. She was one of my faves. She was probably my favorite. Um, She was a great character. Her relationship with Tasty. Yeah. Oh, she's she's a great character on TV, but also a great depiction of just just a kind like if you were in real life i would want to be friends with you um and and you can imagine that people freaked out not just because she was such a beloved character but here she is a queer character of color and Catherine van arendonk another great name uh, over at vulture in june 2016 really kind of investigated Pusey's death from the perspective of all of the anger that fans were feeling, especially through the lens of the barrier gaze trope. Like, why do we have to kill off yet another queer female character? And Van Arendonk basically comes to the conclusion through her piece of like, well, this isn't the same thing, really, as barrier gaze. Pusey's death was not simply there to prop up a straight white character storyline, even though a white character is technically the quote unquote lead of that show. Yeah, if she had like taken a bullet for Piper or something, (laughs) we would be having a different conversation. Right. But Pusey is not the only queer character on the show, not the only queer character of color on the show. And she wasn't killed because she was a queer woman. Yeah. And and clearly her being senselessly killed by hired law enforcement, um, in, in the case of the, the prison by these correctional officers, um, mirrors what is happening off screen with, uh, police brutality and Black Lives Matter. And the entire episode became really a eulogy to Pusey. 
Yeah. And a eulogy for the black people in this country who have been gunned down by police. Um, and it's also a commentary on our prison system, our justice system. Uh, the fact that someone who was so beloved, a character who was so beloved by the other characters, but also the audience, could just be um, wiped off the face of the earth in just a moment like that. In a moment that they were trying to restrain her and they accidentally killed her. It is senseless, but... It has so much meaning, and it was monumental for the show and for the other characters. It wasn't treated as just like, and now the storyline progresses. Right, and now a joke from Pensatucky. Right, and of course another show, and again, massive spoiler alert, but another show that really does kind of an interesting take on the traditional barrier gaze trope is Black Mirror. They're all standalone episodes, and the episode titled San Junipero features two queer women characters who fall in love. So you imagine like, well, tragedy's right around the corner. And it kind of is, but there's a happy ending. Oh, yeah. They did, they pulled this off flawlessly, I yeah. thought. I loved the episode. Um, how do we even describe it? It's such a I, I don't I want listeners to watch it because it really is a beautiful episode and very un Black Mirror in its uh, in its happy ending. Spoiler alert. Um, right. But it doesn't while Yorkie, one of the characters, we know that uh, sh- her family was not accepting of her being a lesbian, and that when she came out, she uh, left the house, I believe, and was in a terrible car accident that paralyzed her. Um, So you do have, like, that element of punishment. But when it comes to their love story, it's really pure and beautiful, you know? It's too... it's, It's fun to watch because it's two young women being so giddy in their love for each other. And there's drama and there's conflict. And should I, should we, do I love you? Do I not? Do I want to be with you? Um, and they do get to be together, but here's the twist. So again, spoiler, like if you're still listening, spoiler. <laughs> um, but the whole thing is this exists in the future. And in the future, when you die, you have the opportunity to basically be uploaded to some spirit cloud. Basically, uh, Apple is our overlord. Um, and it is through this program that these two women who would not have otherwise been able to even meet or be together uh, got to not only meet and not only fall in love and be giddy and have great sex, but they got to go off into the sunset in a Jeep Wrangler and live happily ever after together. So, yes, is there punishment? Is there uh, the acknowledgement of life not being that easy for queer people? Yes. But... Through death, they get to live together forever. Um, and also the fact that we have Kelly, um, who is proudly and openly bisexual, and she's a woman of color, and her character also was married and had a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband and daughter had, had both since died and chose not to go to uh, <laughs> the cloud. It chose not to go to the Steve Jobs heaven. Um, <laughs> so that, too, is a, a pretty revolutionary depiction that you rarely see on television. So I thought that they 
handled it swimmingly. And this was certainly a fine example of uh, queer people dying on a show, but the death being joyful in and a it, way. Yeah, and it being just the beginning. Yeah. They get to have their, their happy ending together. And there's been this uh, thing called the Lexa Pledge that um, some creators developed in the wake of fan protest over uh, Lexa's death in the 100 um, that has sparked more conversations about showrunner responsibility for how they depict gay characters because there is that line between not wanting to stifle the creative process but also understanding that as a creator you have a responsibility to your audience and if you care about the impact of your media that you're making on the world at large then it's something that you absolutely need to consider Um, so I'll be really curious and I'm hopeful to see whether this barrier gaze trope dies, whether we can bury it. Um, and I know that we have probably missed a lot of examples of this. Oh, sure. Um, so listeners, please fill us in. Um, let us know what you think about it. And if there are any similarly troubling tropes that you also think need to die. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. Well, I have a letter here from Rua. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Rua. In response to our Madam President's episode, she wrote in specifically about Ireland. Uh, so she says, first off, I'm proud that we've had two women presidents in our country. However, the president has no real power and is mainly a figurehead who represents the country. The leader of the country is the Taoiseach, and we have never had a woman as Taoiseach. Having said this, Mary Robinson was not only the first woman president, she was the first president to take the job seriously. Before her, the job was basically a retirement position, but she really advocated for a more modern Ireland and pushed for women's rights, travelers' rights, better immigration policy. She annoyed people in power by not doing what she was told. For example, visiting the Dalai Lama, despite everyone saying it was a bad idea and would annoy China. Anyway, Mary Robinson is a generally badass lady. And talk about a change. When Mary McAleese was elected after her, there was only one male candidate out of four. As for the odds of having two Marys in a row as president of Ireland, those odds are pretty high, I'd say, as we have a lot of Marys here. Uh, I'll also briefly respond to your question on why, when we elected such a forward-thinking awesome lady as far back as 1990, and why we still haven't cracked a legal abortion yet, I think you have to understand how far we've come since Robinson was president. It was illegal to sell any sort of contraception except under prescription to a married couple. Homosexuality was still a crime, marital rape was not a crime, divorce was illegal and impossible, and mother and baby homes, as well as Magdalene Laundries, had only just stopped operating legally. I believe at the time only fringe and underground groups even said the word abortion and people like Robinson advocated for the more immediate and possibly viewed as more acceptable access to contraception. Things have changed now and tens of thousands march on the street for legalized abortion rights. It's a question of when, not if, at this stage. Anyway, sorry for going on so much. Just thought that since you enlighten me so often on so many things and brighten up my day while doing so, I thought I may in a small way return the favor with with some Irish knowledge. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that Irish knowledge. And I have a letter here from Helen about our Madam President's episode. 
And Helen writes, I've definitely seen the barriers women face in politics and loved hearing the framing of the glass cliff, something that makes a lot of sense. It happened here in Canada with our only female prime minister, Kim Campbell. As a Canadian and someone who campaigned for the Liberal Party during our election last year, I really wanted to say how much I love the way you talk about Justin Trudeau. I've met him a few times, jelly, and he really is pre- a pretty amazing guy and someone I feel so lucky to have as my prime minister, but your love for him cracks me up in the best way possible every single time. I happened to be walking past Parliament while you were talking about him in the Madam President's episode, and it was just such a hilariously perfect moment. Thanks for all the amazing work you both do and all the love you send Canada's way. Can't wait to hear what you have to talk about next. Oh, Helen, thank you so much. And, you know, we send love to Canada because y'all send a lot of love our way as well. And uh, certainly today, I am extra jealous of Justin Trudeau. And I would just like to to make a small side note. Um, I did notice, this was not a majority of emails by any stretch, but I did notice that we had received at least one email saying, hey, it sounded like you think prime ministers don't work as hard or don't have as much responsibility or aren't as good as presidents. What gives? And I just want to assure you that that's not at all what we were trying to say. Um, Just that the parliamentary and the presidential systems are quite different and they elect people differently and that's all we were saying and now friends you can send us your thoughts as well mom stuff at howstuffworks.com is where you can send them and for links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs videos and podcasts with our sources so you can learn even more about television tropes head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.